vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs were often adapting to a new reality. This new podcast series from Vegan Mainstream is an opportunity to help you when it's time to pivot. These interviews will come from inside and outside of our community, and I hope as your host, Stephanie Redcross West, I can inspire you and give you the tools that you need to move forward. Hello, hello, everyone. We are so excited to have our next guest with us today. I love being able to talk with people that obviously are entrepreneurs, starting businesses, but I think it's a really interesting conversation we're going to have today because we're going to be talking about kind of being a little bit of a disruptor, talking about how going into an industry that's kind of dominated by a term we often use as the big boys in a sense, and how to go in and really distinguish your brand and business. I think for many of us out there, you know, we're always looking for ways to make sure we stand out. And I'm really excited about today's guest. Danny, am I saying your last name correctly? O'Malley? You got it right. All right. Love it, love it, love (laughs) it. Um, So we're going to be talking about before the butcher. We're going to talk about the business. We're going to talk about the brand. We're going to talk about how Danny and his team kind of stands out amongst a very crowded community and crowded industry. But we're also going to hopefully spend some time and talk about the inner, inner workings of the business and how do you build success? Because for many people, they have a great idea. Often they'll maybe not even have a great product, but how you run your business can also make the distinction. And as many of you who are listening to us today, or if you're listening to this as a podcast or down the line, you're always looking for inspiration on what you could do differently. So I'm hoping, Danny, you're going to drop some wisdom, drop some ideas and tell us you know, what it's been like on your journey so that you can help many other people that are maybe following in your footsteps, maybe in different industries, but the idea of kind of helping our entire kind of vegan entrepreneur family here um, succeed. Does that sound good? Sounds perfect. All right. So welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad we're getting a chance to talk. I've done a ton of research, checked out your website, checked out your products, haven't got my hands on it yet. So that's my next step. But maybe as we're kicking off today's session and as we're getting things going, I want to give people maybe a little bit of background. Let's give them a little bit of overview of the business. Let's get them a little bit grounded for maybe the people who maybe are not as familiar with Before the Butcher. What are the products that you sell? You know, how long have you been out there? What's your distribution? Just give them a little bit of that background. And then we'll rewind the clock and talk a little bit about how you got started. Fair enough. Uh, before the butcher, we've been around for about five and a half years now. Started in September of 2017. We're in food service and retail, and we're also getting into international sales right now. So nice. you'll 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 see our products on the shelves in, in Whole Foods, uh, in, in Texas and Central Market, Lytle on the East Coast, various different uh, retailers across country. If you're not in any of those areas, you can just go to btdbfoods.com and get it online and we'll send it to you. A lot of people like to do that. That's the easier That's way. That's going to be me. <laughs> I'm in uh, the Florida area. So yeah. I, I, I like to tell people that we, uh, we do a, quite a bit of business in what I call ingredient or industrial style business. So we sell our products to other further processors that make pizzas or, 
or bowls or burritos and so on and so forth. So I like to say to people, if you're eating a plant-based product from the grocery store, there's a good chance that if it's got a plant-based meat, you're eating our product, right? And we do some co-branding. So we co-brand with uh, celebrity chef Ming Tsai, who makes Ming's Bings. And you'll find they're, they're like a, um, a Hot Pocket, but vegan. They, they are fantastic. We co-brand with him. So our, our logo is also on the packaging there. So you see that there. Target, he'll be in Kroger's across the country in the next month or so with breakfast Bings. I tell you, they are fantastic. And one of my big struggles is getting up in the morning, something easy and fast, but a breakfast bing with, with uh, just egg in it and, and before the butcher, uh, ground chorizo in it, it's humble and cheese. Oh my God, it's so good. So that's kind of what we're doing today. We're, we're in quite a few restaurants around the country. There's no major chains, but various regional chains across the country and uh, colleges, universities, K through 12. So we do pretty good working our way and skirting our way around some of the big players out there and doing some really great business. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, it sounds like you've really kind of tapped into both markets, you know, and a lot of people are starting, um, especially with food-based businesses. There's always the question, do I do online sales? Do I do, you know, restaurant? Do I do direct to consumer? It sounds like you're really getting a good foothold in all those different areas. So I am really curious as we rewind the clock, I want to kind of hear your, your, you know, the beginnings yeah. of Before the Butcher. But it's also exciting that many of us can reach out and order the product. I think one of our challenges, you know, as kind of vegans, US-wide, and then I heard you said the international piece. So I think some of our international users, their ears are probably perking up to be able to get access to products because I think that's one of the challenges these days that many of us are looking for alternatives. Many of us are looking for that flavor profile and um, sometimes it's hard for us to get our hands on it. So I'm really excited to hear that you do um, ship direct. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's almost not an option nowadays. That's what people expect. It's yeah. difficult when you have a perishable product to ship it direct because there, yeah. you have to have a freezer pack and get it there safely. But you can do it. And, and yeah. we do it. And we're excited to be able to offer our products in the continental U.S. in a way that people can get it without getting off their couch. <laughs> <laughs> which we've kind of become accustomed to here in the U.S. Yeah, we, we have, we have. Yeah. <laughs> if it can come to me, I absolutely love it. So let's rewind the clock. Let's yeah. go back to the beginning stages um, right. of starting your business. Where were you? Like, were you just had an idea? I know you mentioned kind of in your bio that you had spent some time at, you know, some other companies and maybe that kind of inspired things as well. So yeah. maybe give us the genesis. What inspired you to start the business? And then I'll ask a few or maybe follow-up questions on, you know, some of the pitfalls, things that you've learned along the way and so forth from there. Well, for myself personally, I've been a, a, what I think a, a healthy person around for most of my life, for all of my life, you know, physically fit and trying to eat right and all that kind of good stuff. And I could take you back many, many years, but I'm not going to take you back that far. I'm, I, I've been in the food service industry for most of my career. And uh, I was working for the, the, the biggest food service distributor in the country okay. back about 10 years ago, nine, closer to nine years ago. And uh, while I was there, I was a director in charge of marketing and, and special services and sales and things like that there. And uh, I had a gentleman come in to visit me and he said, hey, w our product is in your distributor. 
And uh, we think we should be doing much better than we are. And we need some help. What do you suggest? What should we do? And we started talking. And I had heard of the company, but they were pretty small at the time. And I, I didn't think a lot about it. And he started explaining to me what their um, mission and vision was and, and the products. And I tried some of them. And I said, well, this is fantastic. This, not only do I think you know, we should be working harder to help you grow your business because it'll help grow our business, but I'm really interested in it personally because it, it fits with my lifestyle and, and where I want to go and what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That gentleman was working for Beyond Meat at the time, and uh, yes. this is almost nine years ago, so they were a very small company, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Before he left, he said to me, he says, Danny, I'm the only salesperson for the company. Mm-hmm. He says, I live on the East Coast. We're looking for somebody on the West Coast uh, so we can kind of cut the country in half. If you know anybody, let me know. So I, I thought about it, and he left, and I'm thinking, wow. I know that person. That, that, that person's. Me. I was tired right of the corporate. Looking in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. And and so I called him up. I said, "Hey, look, I know who that person is." And he says, "You do? That's great. Who is it?" And I said, "It's me." And he said, "Danny, I think you'd be fantastic." Uh, I went in that same week, I think, and talked to Ethan Brown. There were uh, there are two co-founders actually for Beyond Meat. Most people don't know that because they just know Ethan Brown, uh, mm-hmm. who's the CEO of the company today. But I talked to both of them within uh, a day or two. I was hired and out on the street selling products within a week or two, and that was my start in in uh, plant based meat analogs. And that was that was the early days. What it really did for me, Stephanie, is it helped to educate me in a way that I didn't know before because the first couple of years, we weren't selling anything Mm because nobody was really that interested. It was all education. We were talking to everybody. And, you know, we'd go in and talk to the meat buyers at the distributor or the retailer, and they'd be like, look, I don't know what you're trying to sell me here, but we're not interested. Uh, fortunately, I had uh, quite a few contacts at the time, and they said, "Well, Danny, you can come in and see me, but I'm telling you ahead of time, I'm not interested." Okay. Right? That, this mm-hmm. is the wall we came up against. Yes. So the first few years was a battle. You know, it, it was really exciting at the same time, and you know, we all know that Beyond uh, was uh, at the time the leader, the innovator in plant-based meat, uh, meat analogs. And they, you know, brought out the Beyond Burger prior to me leaving about six months uh, or eight months before I left. So mm-hmm. all really exciting. But to be honest with you, I caught the bug, uh, you know, and I and I saw what was coming in, in maybe not in the way uh, that other people see it. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, this is this is something uh, that I'm very passionate about. That's important to me as a person. And mm-hmm. I, I want to spread it uh, amongst others. And I think it's important that we, we talk about it and, and we get out and not just talk, but do it. Yeah. And so and I think that's uh, key. Yeah. yeah, is getting these things done and, and moving them forward. And I don't want you to lose that train of thought, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think was that switch, like from an education standpoint? Do you feel like it's the consumers that turned a lot of these bigger brands into listening? Or do you think they started? after years of education, they started to see the light bulb? Like, what do you think was that shift? Wow, that's a good question. I, you know, nobody's ever asked me that, but I, I think it was really a combination of, of both those things. I think the consumer demanding, as well as the retailers and, and distributors and, and manufacturers realizing that there was an opportunity out there because of that demand. The education was huge. Uh, I, I mean, 
just constantly pounding it into people. It's like, hey, look, if you're not interested today, I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have to be interested in it tomorrow. So think about it. And uh, sure enough, uh, all of a sudden, you know, instead of making the calls, we were getting the calls. And that was a big change. And, And that happened maybe near the end of the time that I spent at Beyond because they released Beyond Burger and everybody wanted it when they first released it. It went into retail, if you remember, before it got into food service. Mm-hmm. And Impossible was right behind them and they they jumped into food service. The big challenge then was just trying to scale up and make the product. Yes, uh, It was really hard. So I, I, I think it really was a combination of education and desire, consumer desire, and just foresight of, some of these distributors and manufacturers to say, hey, look, this is something that's coming. It's it's not an option, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, we we have eight, nine billion people on this earth and, and we're going to have 15 billion in another 20 years. We can't feed them. Yeah. We can't. Yep. We have to have another protein and that protein is plant-based. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about your business. Let's talk about, yeah. you know, like you said, you decided I want to do something. I'm going to, you know, I want to, I'm going to put something out there. So let's talk about that. Like what yeah. was that switch and how, when you got started, how did you get started? Did you start in food services? Did you start more direct to consumer or where, where, where did you start and how did you decide where to start? Well, I, I started by talking to the people that I trusted around me and said, Hey, this is what I want to do. And through this person, through that person, uh, you know, I, I started, you know, finding other people that were interested in doing the same thing. And I was fortunate enough to put together a team of really, really talented people to help make these products and and get it to market with me. So there was a lot of fortune behind me getting to where the timing couldn't have been much better. Five and a half years ago, uh, it it still wasn't uh, much of anything back then. And we went into food service first because that really was my expertise it also did something interesting for us, Stephanie, and, and, and perhaps this is something that your listeners can gravitate to when they're looking at trying to start something, especially in the food industry, is giving yourself a chance to get out there without the danger of exposing yourself too much. And, and I say that because that's kind of what retail does. Once you get into retail, you dive in deep. It's very costly. There's a lot of PR marketing and and you don't have an uh, opportunity to kind of go under the radar a little bit and and get your product out there for people to try and get feedback on, right? And food service Mm -hmm. does that for you. You can get into restaurants and and get a lot of feedback before you really dive in deep and say, hey, look, now I'm going to go after the big one, which is is retail, and and spend a lot of money to get there. As we know, you know, Impossible Beyond, tremendous marketing and PR budgets, tens of millions of dollars every year. That doesn't mean you make money. Yep, absolutely. And there's also trial and error in marketing itself. So I think yeah. a lot of people assume that, you know, all these brands and everything that we see, you know, is even the final final. Often there's iterations, there's testing, and changes along the way. So I love the idea that you're talking about going into food services to get that feedback because we've talked about this on other podcasts. And, you know, a lot of times when I talk with people who are starting their businesses, they just want to get out there and ship it. And they forget how much feedback you need to really refine your product. And also, and I don't know if this happened with you, but, you know, sometimes when you start a business, you're looking for the big solution. 
you know, you're looking to, you know, displace, you're looking for flavors, you want to, you want to service and help like everybody, like it, it feels so hard to build those target markets, because you don't want to like turn your back to anyone. But I find when you do take an approach where you're building a product based on feedback, it helps you further define your product market so that you're not trying to be everything to everyone, but you're really trying to be excellent to the people that are looking for what you offer. I agree. It's it's really important when you get out there that you focus on not only what you think the consumer that's interested in your product wants, but the best of what you can do for them at a price that they can afford. And, and th th those are very big challenges very big challenges because everybody wants a piece of that pie, right? You know, every single step that you take, somebody's asking for money, you know, whether it's PR, marketing, uh, the distributor, the, the retailer, or the food service operator, all along the way, everybody says, well, I need this to give you that. And it's very expensive and it's very challenging and you have to, you have to take your time. You have to find the right people that understand how to navigate it to get there. Otherwise, you can put yourself out of business very, very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Did you feel like, you know, like you said, were you just working the connections you had? Do you feel like it was a lot of cold calling? Like in those beginning stages, because I think yeah. those are the hardest times because you don't have the network, you know, you don't have the structure in place that you can, you can get a little discouraged at times because just like we talked about for the education before, there is an education yeah. product when process when you are a new brand. Yeah. And not everybody is so open to change. You know, even if they're in the plant-based space, they're not always open to do something new because it feels like their kitchen has to be reconfigured. You know, people have to get educated, menus have to be updated, you know, things like that. And then the the fallout from it, a lot of people feel like, uh, eh, I don't want to make change. So how did you overcome that? Like how did you kind of work through that process so you could get those first few people to say yes? Well, you know, interesting enough, when I started the company five and a half years ago, a lot of the education had taken place and there was a lot of interest. Look, I'm in Southern California. That doesn't hurt either, right? That's so, true. Uh, yeah. So with that, there was a lot of interest and I really thought long and hard about how I was going to get this, these products into the distributors that needed to get the products to the ultimate user, which was the operator, you know, restaurants and, and mm -hmm. other food service operators. So what I did was perhaps a little bit different. I targeted our, what I believed was our audience, which were really millennials, uh, maybe a tip of the, uh, the X gen, but mostly millennials. And I went directly to where they would be able to eat that product. So I, I went to the operator. So I, I went to Google, Yahoo, SpaceX, uh, Uber. I, I went to all of those. And, and you know, the exciting thing, the cool thing about that, Stephanie, is a lot of those uh, tech companies have their own cafeterias and they feed yeah. their employees for free or almost nothing. And yeah. those employees were really interested in our type of products. So I got in front of those chefs, uh, you know, and I worked backwards. I, I, I got in front of them. And the chef said, where can I get it? And I said, where do you buy from? And they said, well, I buy from this distributor. I said, okay, you'll be able to get it there. Give me a couple of weeks. And I went to that distributor and said, hey, this chef wants it. And, and the distributor was not happy about that, but they didn't have a choice. <laughs> because some of but these, they do some really good buying. You know? 
Yeah, but that's brilliant because what can happen is someone will want it, but if they can't get it through their distributor, they can't get it. Well, that was the other thing. When I got in front of the distributor who was a, a little upset with me, they said, hey, you can't do that. And I said, well, you know what? There's another distributor down the street that's interested in my products too. And they said they would sell to this customer. Oh, wait a, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me take a look at what you got. And maybe we can work something out, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I hardballed a little bit. Not all of it was uh, 100% on track, but it became on track very quickly once they got it in in stock. Then all of a sudden, I had a distributor. And when I went to these other uh, you know, operators and I said, hey, look, they have it here now. You can get it now. Everything right. became easier. So once the ball starts rolling, but it, it's very hard to get started. It's very hard. And today, even even more challenging than when I started Fiverr. Honestly, Stephanie, I, I don't know if I would start this company today because the market's so oversaturated and, and there's, the money has dried up in many different ways. And it's a lot more challenging, I think, today than when I started. Uh, I would rather go out and educate people than fight against 50 other companies trying to do the same yeah. thing and everybody losing money doing so. So yeah, I'm fortunate thanks. that we're established. We've been around for five and a half years. We're not going anywhere. And we're really excited about what's happening in the future where we're going forward. Oh, that's great. So before we get to the future, I want to talk about the inner workings. Because like you mentioned earlier, ramping up can be very challenging. Like, you know, I talk to people about like the challenge of like things not working out or like that, that, that label that we put on things when we talk about failure. But the other reality is success can be just as stressful. Success can sometimes strain a business to the point where, you know what I mean? It's almost like you can't meet the demand of your success and then that sends yeah. you down the, a different road. So how did you handle that? How did you either structure your business? How did you organize things internally? Or you know, did you have a system that helped you scale so that success became your friend as opposed to your morning headache? Well, a lot of our success is based on our partner. Uh, we have a partner that's actually, well, our investors own a meat company that makes uh, regular burgers, beef burgers. And so we, we partnered up with them. We're still our own separate corporation. I make the decisions for the company along the way, but they partnered up in a, in a way that has been tremendous for me to keep my costs down and become a profitable company because we share their resources. So they have a, a full office full of staff. I'm able to share their staff. Uh, they help us in what I call the back of the house. In production, uh, they help us in shipping. They help us in logistics. Uh, we handle the front of the house, what I call the sales and the marketing and the PR, all of that, and, and development of the product. We do all our own development. But having the right partners, it's very difficult without tens of millions of dollars to do this on your own. You need yeah. others to help you get there and you have to trust them and work with them. So I'm able to you know, keep my corporate overhead low in order to be profitable because I share with a company mm -hmm. that's been successful for 60 years and knows how to get product from A to B to C and they took that guesswork out and helped me uh, make it happen. I have some really great people on on my team as well, and I, uh, I'm fortunate to to be in a in a good spot today. And we're able to scale very quickly because my partner shares uh, the capital cost for the equipment and all that millions of dollars that you have to spend to build and grow 
And so all of that is has been really a tremendous advantage for us and, and, and before the butcher. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's an interesting approach because for a lot of people, they think they have to build everything from scratch. And like you said, with, you know, food services, businesses where we have distribution, and then also, you know, all of the legality around, you know, producing, creating products mm-hmm. um, and getting them out there can be a lot. So finding partners are really important. And then I know, you know, some of our, you know, some of my, my vegan family has mixed feelings about partnering with meat industry and so forth. But for us to do what we want to do, which is scale it, get it out there, displace. And like you said, to be able to feed more people, we really have to get these brands going. We have to get these brands out there and we have to get, you know, the general public choosing them every time because then, you know, we will be even bigger in these grocery stores. I don't know if you share that vision, but I bring that up because I know for some people, you know, we sometimes want the purest approach as a vegan, but the reality is we still live in this world we live in. And what we have to do is, you know, get these products out there so that people can eat better, so we can change, you know, impact climate change, so we can save animals and so forth. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or that's just, you know, one of those things that's always in my mind. Well, most of our customers are meat eaters. That's that's just the, the honest truth. And we make our products to you know, to mimic animal-based proteins. Uh, you know, we're not trying to make a product uh, that's going to be challenging for meat eaters to try. We're making a product that reminds them and is familiar and comfortable for them to try. And 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 that is a different. This industry, what I call the plant-based analog or plant-based meat industry, is different than the vegan and vegetarian industry because. Their target really is the vegans and vegetarians, which is fantastic. I'm one of them. I love it, right? Mm-hmm. But we're targeting targeting the meat eaters, which is the majority of the, po- you know, 95, 96% of the population. So if we want to make a difference, if we want to change the world, if we want to, to take a, a world that is dying and make it healthy again, we have to target the source. And the source is the meat eaters and because of what they're eating. And the way we do that is by making products that they're willing to try, eat, and then eat again. And unfortunately, many of the vegan and vegetarian products, it's not that they wouldn't eat them, but they probably are not going to eat them regularly like they would the type of products that we make. That's reality. And we have to live in the reality. I, I understand you know, some of the hardcore vegans. And I have some friends like that, that, that struggle with this whole idea. And it was a battle at the real beginning, but we have to open up to the idea that it's not that simple. And so we're making products and we're targeting these products for meat eaters. Not that we don't like the the vegans and vegetarians eating our product. We love it. Uh, We want everybody to enjoy our products. And the only way that do that is to make it a food that they're comfortable with and something that they're willing to try. Yeah. And it's a step in the process. I mean, to get someone over to eating healthier, to get someone to make different choices, you sometimes have to put something in front of them, like you said, that's familiar. They have to make that first step. So I personally believe there's space and room for it, but I love talking about it. And I hope you didn't mind the, the question because, you know, as our listeners are hearing the idea that we do have different partnerships out there. We have different ways that we're growing businesses. I want people to kind of 
for lack of a better word, be able to digest the idea that, like you said, we have to make change in the majority of this population that are meat eaters. And to get them on that track, they need products that they're familiar with. They need products that they can step into today. So maybe one day they'll be whole food (laughs) plant-based and everything, but they have to start somewhere and we need to have options on the table for that. It's it's a it's a fantastic transition product for for people that Absolutely. are really interested in moving from one stage to the next, and it helps. Absolutely, and plus, you know, I admit I want some pizza with something on it. You know, I barbecue. <laughs> you know, we we do these. You know, a lot of our like traditions, in a sense, can revolve around food, and some of those yeah. traditions having an alternative can make that tradition stay alive. Or at times it allows us to participate. And I think sometimes it's really important at times that we have foods that allow us to still participate in those same type of activities with our family. So I'm very, very grateful for companies like yourself that allow us um, to do that. So I'm really excited um, that we've been talking about that and talking about the business. So I'm going to ask you maybe a couple more questions before we wrap up. I want to just maybe lessons learned. As you know, entrepreneurs are listening to this as well as people who are either jumping into their business, figuring out that they need to pivot or make changes in their business. Do you have a couple of lessons learned over the years that you may share with people? Maybe something when you first started out and maybe even something that you've been going through in the last um, year or so. Well, I, I can tell you, it's important to be uh, passionate and excited about what you're doing, but also be conservative. You never know what's in front of you. And we we don't have a better example than what we just went through with, you know, with the crash that happened from COVID. I made some huge projections for the year 2020 and it didn't work out. And and we were very challenged that year. And we used 2021 in the beginning of 2022 to kind of rebuild. So uh, be realistic about what you're doing. Be conservative about what you're projecting. And uh, how you think you're going to get there? Because it's always great to exceed your projections, but it's hard, very hard, very difficult, and sometimes very damaging uh, to not get to where you expected to go. So be conservative, uh, be excited, but be passionate, and show how important it is to your people that you work with and to those who are part of the group that may be interested in consuming your product, how important it is to you and it should be to them that they try whatever it is that you have. I'm glad you said that because yeah, I think, you know, there's the dream that you have for the business, the dream of where you want to be for the business, but there's a difference between that dream and those ultimate visions and you know, quarter over quarter, year over year, what are those growth numbers? What are our projections? What are we going to tackle? And what are we going to prepare for? And I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, you know, it can be hard not to put the dream in front of you, you know, thinking that this is what I want to do ultimately with my business. Um, But understanding that, wait, what can I do this year in this current environment? What can I do this year based on you know, what we did last year and what can we, a lot of times I even talk about coming up with like targets and stretch goals and knowing the Mm -hmm. difference between what your target is versus a stretch goal. Because if you mix those things up, sometimes you can send the wrong message within your team or to investors. True. So 
One thing I always want to do before we wrap up our session is make sure everyone has all of the URLs, social media accounts, emails, whatever they need to either A, get in touch with you, order the product, because, you know, I can't wait. After most of these interviews, I'm always shopping and ordering uh, (laughs) as well myself. So if you can maybe give everyone just, you know, the links or what your social media handles are. So if they're interested in learning more or signing up or buying, they can do that as well. Well, uh, before the butcher on on social media, but if you go to BTB Foods, so that's, uh, you know, B as before and T as the and B as butcher, btbfoods.com, you'll find out everything about it. That's the easiest way. Just go to our website. You can find out about the company. You can order our products. All the uh, social media handles are there. Everything's there. Uh, and it's the easiest way to find out more about what we do and, and how we do it. And, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I love it. Oh, oh good, 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 good. So glad. I hope everyone takes a look at it. We do have the URL in this post, but we will share a couple of clips from this on social media as well. And we'll make sure we drop the URL in there so that people can follow up and follow you and follow your success story. I think a lot of us love to not only, I guess we kind of like fall in love with brands, And not only do we consume the products, but it's just nice to see the growth and the future. So I guess that's where I'll lead maybe end our interview today is, is there anything you want to share as far as the future for Before the Butcher? You know, what, where are you headed? What's next? Any super secret stuff you want to drop? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. But anything that you want to share, just so we know kind of what to expect from you and your team um, and also how we can all as a vegan community support you. Well, we've got some really cool things we're working on in, in uh, R&D right now. We have a, a pepperoni that's coming out probably within the next month or so. Uh, but there's one that I, I tell you is the best product we made. It's the best vegan product I've ever tasted. And I'm really excited about it. And I'm hoping by Q3 of this year, we'll have it in the grocery stores around the country. And it's a beef stick. And oh, we're really? going to call it before the, the butcher stick. And this is incredible. I'm, I'm telling you, it is amazing. It's shelf stable, so it, you you could find it in uh, you know hopefully in Seven Eleven or any convenience store you go into or any grocery store across the country. It is absolutely incredible. Really excited about that product. Uh, we got a few other things up our sleeve uh, coming out uh, this year, but uh, uh, just keep your eye open. You're going to see some neat things coming out of before the butcher and before the year is over. Oh, that is great. That is good to hear. I love, love, love hearing about new products. My niece is vegan as well. So we're always shopping and, you know, we've decided this year we're going to have a budget um, (laughs) so that we can purchase (laughs) all of the new things that are coming out. So I will mention it to her. So we add it on our list so we can keep an eye out for it. But thank you so much, Danny, for taking the time today to kind of, you know, educate us a little bit in you know, how you got started, give us a little bit of your story, give us some insights. um, And just, you know, just really excited, you know, talking about how you've been standing out, you know, in this kind of crowded plant-based meat market, how you have distinguished yourself and how you have um, really made a name for yourself is really exciting to hear. Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate the time. And it's been fun, actually. I, I love, I love talking with you. Oh, 
thank you so much. So we're going to wrap up today. I'm just going to say goodbye to everyone. I know we had a couple of people join us live. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for anyone who joined us live. I didn't see too many comments in there. So if you joined us live, just say hello afterwards and I'll jump in. And then I know for many of you, you watch these as replays, as well as many of you are going to be listening to this on our podcast. So as always, if you have questions for us, questions for our guests, we will make sure we get those questions back to them. But we really, really hope you enjoyed today's session. I know I did. I really, really, really love hearing about, you know, all the changes that are happening in this movement and also hearing Danny's story about, you know, being in food services and targeting and, you know, thinking about who your audience is and then going to them to create that demand as well as, you know, creating a superior product by using that feedback. So I'm really excited. I'm excited about getting my hands on some as well. <laughs> or like you said, I might've been already eating it and just didn't know, but I will definitely get some direct product soon. So thank you so much, Danny, for joining us. Thank you, thank you so much for everyone else who joined us and we will see you in our next interview. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Pivot, our vegan business interview podcast. This is recorded as a live streaming session, so I hope you'll join us for future interviews as well. We offer these interviews to help vegan entrepreneurs stay connected with the vegan business community. If you're interested in more in-depth insights or training, please consider subscribing to one of our premium podcasts, Going Solo or Fix It. Visit veganmainstream.com to learn more or click on the links in the show notes.